Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Russell Wortham Show. My name is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful Rochester Hills, Michigan, so and so away from Pontiac, former home of the Pontiac Silverdome, and in the shadow of Detroit Rock City. Folks, we are packing back in the middle of greatness. And we've got a ton of stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Final, the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about the Triple Crown. But we're also, unfortunately, going to have to talk a bit of politics. Uh, Now, you've heard this uh, a bunch of times, but just to reiterate, I don't want to really talk about anything serious on this show. I try to have a very fun, very uh, frivolic, if you will, uh, show that is just talking about sports. But if there's something that's culturally significant, I, I feel like as a journalist that I have to say something that I have to comment on stuff that's going on. So, in just a moment, we are going to uh, come back. I'm going to go through the yucky stuff first and then then we'll then we'll get into the Stanley Cup. We'll get into the NBA final and we'll get into the Triple Crown. So, all that, so much more, and I will see you on the other side. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Russell Wortham back, and I gotta say that um, there is just some really, 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 really icky stuff going on in the world right now. Um, again, this is not a political show. I don't mean for it to be a political show. But, um, there are two things that are somewhat intertwined that I wanted to share my thoughts on. First of all, the um, separation of children from their families when they're coming across the Mexican-U.S. border. And to me, I just look at this and I think, wow, this is just insane. Um, The administration, the Trump administration has come out and said, well, this is lawful. And not only is this lawful, but this is biblical. This is Christian for us to do this. And I'm like, show me where in the Bible does it say, oh, yeah, let's separate kids from their families. Um, You can't show me any of that. Now, I believe in honoring and sustaining the law. I understand this. But when there's no actual law on the books that says we can and will separate families, it's pretty indispensable. It's pretty indefensible. It's pretty indefensible 
by anybody, much less the President of the United States, to come out and say, oh, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, we we got we got the ability to do this. It's 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 policy. Yep, see see it's 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 policy. Mike again, you can't show me a law. You can't show me a congressional act. You can't show me anything in our legal code that says even remotely that this is fair, right, or just. So, to me, I look at this and I think, why are we separating these children? We're separating these children for one reason. One reason, and that is fear. Now, Donald Trump can say what he wants to say. He can say, oh, this isn't a fear tactic. No, he's come out in recent days and says much he said this is a fear tactic this is a negotiating tactic I'm like what kind of a negotiating tactic is this to separate families from each other uh so so you're doing this in the small chance that good-natured people that people with a conscience will actually come to your side and build this insane wall that A, will cost us millions of dollars, okay? I don't care you know, how Donald Trump phrases it, this wall will cost us millions of dollars. And geographically, a wall is not even possible. I mean, the train is just not even remotely built for a wall. So, we're wasting taxpayer dollars that we could be spending on feeding the poor, on uh, uh, providing good, hard working jobs for us social programs uh paying down our debt we are we are wasting millions of dollars on a border wall that frankly nobody wants that's too expensive and that geographically speaking isn't even really possible so if you're willing to ante up your hard-earned money, your hard-earned wages and salaries to build some wall to keep people out because we think that we're in the right and because we think that there might be a one in how many ever chance that we're stopping a drug dealer from coming across the border. Hey, go right on ahead. Go right on ahead. But if you're like me and you honestly believe, you honestly hope for the better of humanity, that yes, we need to 
enforce our rules and our laws, but that we need to embrace people coming through. We need to we need to say, here, let's help you become legal residents and legal citizens of this country so that you can share in this dream that you can share in the American dream just like we have. I hate to break it to you guys, but we all have come from somewhere. Even the Native Americans, from an anthropology perspective, they even came from somewhere else to come into North and South America. Now, it's debated where exactly they came from, but the point is, all of us, all of us came from somewhere. We are a nation of immigrants. And if Donald Trump... If Donald Trump doesn't believe in this fundamental right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we have two options. Two. Well, three, but one's less likely. One, we wait until 2020 and we vote him out. We vote him out and we say no. We reject your hate. We reject your anger. We reject what we've become. And we can be better than this. Two, people with a conscience and people who, who, I don't know, actually want to help people out force Donald Trump to resign. I know that sounds crazy, but if we put enough pressure on Donald Trump, if we make his job so untenable, so miserable, he's going to be like, oh, you know what? This isn't worth it anymore. Now, Mike Pence, that's a different can of worms, but for the right here and the right now, we can we can force him to resign. This is our best chance. If we're not right close to an election, which we're not, presidential, a presidential election, then we can still try to force him out somehow, some way. Or three... We wait until November. We vote in people with a conscience. People who believe in freedom. Believe in our country. Believe that we are better than the hate. And they impeach Donald Trump. I know that that's all sounding like, wow. Are are you are you okay? I'm just saying that we need to avoid the hate. We need to be better than 
what we are now. We can be better than what we are now. We can choose every day to be better. That's regardless of race, religion, social economic status, gender, sexual orientation. We can be our best selves every day if we want to be. Donald Trump doesn't believe in change. Factually, he doesn't care about humanity. He doesn't care about students being gunned down by their classmates. He doesn't care about families. Risking everything. Can you think about this? Can you imagine this? Families. They may have different skin color and all that. But families. Risking life and limb and their fortunes and their health and everything. Everything. To come into this country for one chance. For one chance at freedom. At one chance. The people from Syria, the people from Syria who have been devastated by one of the bloodiest civil wars ever, were fleeing for their lives. Innocent men, women, children. Yes, different skin color. Yes, different religion. Yes, different culture. But they're still humans. They were fleeing. And the world shut them out. The world shut them out. Why? Because of fear. Because of fear of the unknown. Because there is that one in whatever chance that somebody may or may not have been a terrorist. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to be honest with you. This has to stop. This anger, this evil, it has to stop. And it starts with us. We can be our best selves every day. And if we fail, if we fall short, we can say, you know what? I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to get myself a good night's sleep. And I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to try to be better than where I am today. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I can't say this any plainer. And this is in summation before I go on to the next part of the show. We can be better 
than what Donald Trump is showing us to be. We can be better. We can be human. We can be civil. We can be loving and compassionate. And if we aren't that boy, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to tell you. But we have to be better. We have to be better than the hate and the anger and the violence. We have to be better than all that. So, going to close up this, um, this segment. I'm going to come back. Unfortunately, I've got another story about Donald Trump, but this is... A little bit lighter. Uh, so I will see you on the other side. Alright, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for uh, listening to me. And uh, thank you for staying with me. Alright, so the other story I wanted to get uh, with with regards to Donald Trump is about sports and his relations, if you will, with athletes and the fact that he has really not been too hospitable towards athletes coming to the White House. Uh, This all started last year with Golden State. And Golden State was course invited to come to the White House and to um, you know to tour you know and the whole bit and Donald Trump was hearing some some reservations uh, by Steph Curry by uh, Steve Kerr and he meaning Donald Trump put some artificial deadline of, hey, I gotta know by this time whether you're coming or you're not. And then that deadline came and went, and Trump then got on Twitter and said, well, you guys took too long, so, yeah, I'm just gonna uninvite you. I mean, wow! I have been on this earth for nearly 40 years. I have seen various presidents welcome Olympians, welcome winners of the four major sports leagues here in this country, uh, honor college teams, honor individuals, And it is a great honor to be at the White House. It is. I've only seen it from afar. Okay. I mean, I was I was fortunate to have seen the White House uh, from afar on uh, a few occasions. But to actually be invited to the White House, yes, it is a great honor. But when Donald Trump last year disinvited the Golden State Warriors, I thought to myself, 
this is the first time the president has ever disinvited somebody. I think it just blew me away. But but I but I I I I, I tempered it. I thought, man, maybe this is just a one-time gig. Maybe this is just a one-time thing. You know. But then Trump, Donald Trump this year, just not too recently, and all that, twenty-four hours notice, twenty-four hours notice, disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I've said on this program. Whether you were rooting for the Patriots or you were rooting for the Eagles, you had to admire that this game, the Super Bowl that was played clear back in January, was incredible. It was back and forth, and quite literally, the last team who scored won. And that was just an incredible game to watch. But for Donald Trump, who has had conniption fits with um, athletes kneeling during the national anthem uh, for him to uninvite the Philadelphia Eagles 24 hours before they're even supposed to even you know appear there and saying well you know, there's there's just not gonna be you know, enough people, and they're just um, they're 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 dissing uh, their fan base, and it's a shame, and all of that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, have you watched a football game, Donald? I don't think you have, and. If you have, you would have realized that none, none of the Philadelphia Eagles, none of them, not once, have knelt during the National Anthem. None of them. And even the people that have uh, knelt during the National Anthem... It's been because of protesting police brutality, which is a real thing, social injustice, which is a real thing, and it is not, it is not zero. It is not about disrespecting the flag or the military or the country or the president, or Congress, or any of that. It's about social injustice. But, you know, Donald Trump, to me, just doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about those facts. So, I thought, okay, well, he disinvited the... Eagles. Okay, that's kind of dicey, but well, coming up is the NBA 
finals between Cleveland and Golden State. Hey, maybe, maybe Donald Trump will, will invite one of those two. Even though I understand that you've got LeBron James outspoken. Steph Curry, outspoken. Steve Kerr, outspoken. About social injustice. Okay, not not the flag, not not the military, not Congress. About social injustice. And about police brutality. Oh, no, no, I can't invite, I'm not going to invite them. I'm not going to invite either team. So again, I thought to myself, Donald, are you just not a sports fan? That's okay if you're not a sports fan. Just come out and say, I'm not really a sports fan. So I just don't really have any interest in inviting anybody over. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But come on. If you're not going to even entertain the idea... You're not even going to examine the idea of social injustice and police brutality. Just cancel, just cancel White House visits altogether. I wouldn't put it past Donald Trump, to be honest with you, given his temperament and all that, but I got I gotta say. Just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean you have to disinvite them. In fact, what Donald Trump should have done is he should have said, you know what? I'm not really digging the fact that you disagree with me, but hey, I'll invite you over anyhow. To celebrate your accomplishment. And privately, we'll talk. You know, share ideas. You think that's reasonable, right? I tell you my ideas. You tell me my... You know, you, you, you tell me yours. We may still disagree, but at least we understand where we're coming from. You would think that's reasonable. You would think that's reasonable. Uh, No. Not Donald Trump. So, I just... It just bugs me that Donald Trump, 24 hours before a team was supposed to meet with him, said, you know what? Eh, no. So, it wasn't the Eagles. It was not the Eagles. It was Donald Trump who doesn't want to take blame for anything. He doesn't want to apologize for anything. He left those fans stranded. He left those fans just sitting there. So, again, if you're not a sports fan... That's fine. But at the very least, say, you know what? Admit it. Say, you know what? I'm not really a sports fan. I don't really have much of an interest in inviting 
every single team or whatever. And um, I'm sorry about that. And yeah, you're going to get some political blowback, but at least you're being honest with yourself. But Donald Trump doesn't believe in honesty. That's the problem. He's not being honest with himself or with others. He's just trying to encapsulate this into, well, you're disrespecting the flag. Um, I hate to break it to you, but, uh, <laughs> I'm in a wheelchair, okay? I'm a paraplegic. I've been in a wheelchair for about 30 years of my life, okay? Um... Do you think I'm disrespecting the flag when I can't stand for the anthem? I mean, what the heck? Or our brave men and women who have fought and some unfortunately have become injured because of their service to this country. You think that they're being disrespectful when they can't stand either? Come on, you can't, you can't split hairs like that. You just can't. If you think that athletes are being disrespectful about ascending for the national anthem, then why, why does everybody else seem to get a pass? And I understand that athletes are the nearest thing that we have to rock stars in this country. I understand that. But come on. Come on. You can't split hairs like that. That's silly. So, you know what? Donald, do you, me, entire country a favor and say, I don't like sports. I don't want to invite any other teams here. It's nothing personal. I just don't want to invite them. And that's fine. He's not admitting that. See, if he were to admit that, then uh, he'd be admitting something. He'd be admitting that he was wrong about something, and he doesn't like doing that. So, Don, ball's in your court there, buddy. If you don't want these sports teams because you just don't want these sports teams, come out and say... I have no need for sports in my life. That's fine. Not everybody can be a sports fan. Not not everybody is a sports fan. I know people that aren't sports fans, per se. But Don, do yourself, do everybody else a favor, and just admit that you have a problem. The first step to recovery is understanding that you got a problem. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and promise got all the icky stuff out of the way. We're talking about the Stanley Cup. Well, first of all, uh, this last little while, that was the real championship week. Now, I understand that you have championship week in men's and women's basketball, and it's true. I mean, 
every conference has their conference championship and and uh, to go into the NCAA, <clears throat> the NCAA tournaments and all of that. But in terms of professional sports and all that, this last couple weeks, that was the championship week. I mean, it was a perfect storm. Uh, you had the NBA Finals, you had the Stanley Cup Final, and you had, of course, the Triple Crown. So, let's get into this in, uh, you know, in full. Starting with the NBA. That was embarrassing. That was absolutely embarrassing to watch. I watched much of that series between Cleveland and Golden State. And I gotta be honest, guys, that was embarrassing. Uh, The fact that Cleveland absolutely just couldn't stop Golden State, even if they tried, it, it just felt like the wind got taken out of their sails after game one. Of course, after game one, it wasn't who shot JR like we were all wondering in the 1980s. It was who stumped JR. Think about it. There are clocks everywhere in that arena. I'm sure there's scoreboards, there's the uh, the ticker, you know, along, you know, the, the railings. There's the main screen and scoreboard up above. There are clocks everywhere. There's there's clocks everywhere. And the fact that you miss a shot, you tie up a game, and then J.R. Smith just dribbles it out, kind of like, okay, whatever. And then he's like, eh, I, I, I forgot you know, about the time, and I'm like, oh, and then he's like, well, I thought we were at, I'm like, can you count, (laughs) I mean, I hate to be that brutal, but can you count, there are clocks everywhere, I mean, you just take a, take a quick five second peek at any of the scoreboards around any of the arenas, and you would be like, oh, huh, there's this much time left, and oh, we're tied. Hmm. Okay. Now I understand in the heat of battle, you don't sometimes remember, you know, to look up and all that. But my word, Jr. <laughs> I don't want to bury somebody. But you look around. You look around, and you see what's going on. But none of that would have happened. None of that would have happened had Cleveland made both their foul shots. They could have played defense for the last, what was it, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, you know. And they more than likely would have at least won game one. And then... Even if they would have lost game two, the next three games were in Cleveland. I mean, think about that. They had three games at home. They could have won at least two of those games. And they would have been up 
you know, well, they, 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 you know, they probably would have, at the very least, would have been, you know, tied, you know, with the series, or, 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 you know, 3-1, and then you just win one game over in Golden State, hey, congratulations, you're the champions, but that's not what happened. So then, the rest of the series, they just got shellacked. I mean, they they were up. I I, I want to say it was game two. They were up by eleven, at half, and then they just lost it, and they lost game two, then game three, and then game four was just beating. It was a public beating. I I I just I just looked at it and I thought. Are you out of your freaking minds, Cleveland? I mean, you're going out there and you've got talents. It's not like you don't have talent. Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, LeBron James. You've got talent on uh, Kevin Love. You've got talent on that team. And you couldn't stop Golden State to save your life. It just was embarrassing. In fact, that it was a 4-0 sweep didn't exactly help matters either. I don't have numbers in front of me as far as ratings and the whole bit. But if you're the NBA, you're 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 like, wow, this was not a great playoff. It was four one four oh four one four oh and it just it just felt like there was no competition. So here's my idea. You reseed you reseed after each round. You know, because what happens is you know, you can say, well, we can try to have evenly matched series and, and, and all that. But you also have to play the games. And so for what Cleveland did was embarrassing. And unlike years ago when LeBron James first left Cleveland, I thought... What are you doing, LeBron? That's your home. That's your home team. That's your hometown. Those are your fans. Why are you leaving them? Why are you doing this? Now, all these years later, and I'm like, yeah, no. LeBron, he gots to go. He gots to go somewhere where you can you can actually win. And I'm not saying betray your fans and betray your your teammates and betray your friends and all that to, you know, go up in with Golden State. But <laughs> I'd be very tempted. I'd be severely tempted if I were LeBron, if I were LeBron James and if I wanted championships, plural. I'd, I'd be going with Golden State. You know, now, 
obviously you got salary cap and all this other stuff to to try to figure out but my gosh you gotta go with some team any team that's going to give you a great chance now some people say well what about boston well then you're dealing with kyrie irving and they were oil and water in cleveland yes they won a championship together but it was no surprise they didn't really like each other Okay, well, what about Houston? You got Chris Paul. You've got, you know, James Harden. Are you really sure you want to go to Cleveland? Or not Cleveland, but down to uh, Houston? Not sure about that either. Well, what about Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and, and, you know, the like? I mean, they're okay, but they're a lot younger than LeBron, and I'm not really fully convinced that LeBron James has much patience for younger talent, given what happened with Kyrie Irving and you know and all that. I, I don't think he really has much patience for younger players. And that rules out the Lakers as well because yes, you've got you know you got Ron, uh, you got to, uh, uh, Lorenzo Ball, but again, that's that's a big age gap there too, and so does he have patience? It's be with the Lakers. The only two teams that I believe that LeBron James can and should be a part of are Golden State or Cleveland. That's it. That's it. Because every other team is either not competitive or too young or they already have enough stars on their team. So, anyway, there's that. Um, next up is the Stanley Cup Final, and this was actually an intriguing series because you had a first-time team, first-year team in the Vegas Golden Knights going up against the Washington Capitals, and Vegas actually won the first game. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, whoa, they won first game. And then the other games, obviously, were won by by Washington. But the fact that Washington had to, you know, keep coming back after falling behind in game five... That tells you know that that just tells you that they were ready to win the Stanley Cup after forty four years of disappointment, heartache, being snake bit the whole bit. That you've got uh, a team like Washington who actually were like, you know what, we got them on the ropes. Let's. Let's finish this. Let's let's bring this thing home. And they did. 
it was really incredible to see Alexander Ovechkin, especially Alexander Ovechkin, uh, saying, we're not bleeping suck this year, we're Stanley Cup champions. It was, it was, it was funny. It was incredible. And the fact that they were so hammered. Oh my word. I mean, they were hammered. Uh, there was one uh, story where it was uh, Alexander Ovechkin and uh, I can't remember who else was, was in the group, but they pulled up to a restaurant with the Stanley Cup. Now, I don't know if they knew that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump were in the restaurant. I I highly doubt that. But they barged in with the Stanley Cup. And then they found Jared and Ivanka and they took pictures with them, which I thought was kind of hilarious given the political uh, climate that we're in. But I thought, oh my goodness, they're so drunk and they're posing with people it's just that was something else but you know what hey if you've had this much heartache and all that you know what have yourself some fun just be responsible uh don't don't do anything too crazy uh i don't personally drink but if if that's if that's how you want to celebrate I'm not gonna tell you otherwise uh, but I, I thought that was that was interesting. And plus, like I said, when Alexander Ovechkin came out and said, we're not bleeping suck this year, we're Stanley Cup champions, I thought, that is the funniest, greatest line I've ever heard in my life. It was just, it was incredible. Um, so this feels like this is a team that could possibly repeat. Now, they lost Barry Trotz yesterday because apparently they couldn't come to terms on a new contract. But if you, you know, if you're going to keep the core people there, if you're going to, you know, say, you know what, we won the Stanley Cup once, we want to see the Stanley, uh, Stanley Cup again, because unlike other um, trophies in sports, you don't keep the Stanley Cup. You, I mean, there's, there's apparently, uh, and I, I looked this up, there's the original cup that was just the bowl, okay, you've got the display cup that is, you know, for uh, the, um, you know, for the Hall of Fame. And then you've got the presentation cup, which is the cup that uh, they uh, bring out to the arena and, you know, let them skate around with the Stanley Cup. So there's actually three different cups. But, yeah, so, and, and of course, you get your name engraved, and, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, but, uh, yeah, we'll see come the fall whether or not the uh, Capitals can go back and to win again. 
All right. Uh, just quick notes on the Triple Crown and the U.S. Open. So with the Stanley, or me, so with the uh, with the Triple Crown, of course the Kentucky Derby was won by Justify, and like I said in a previous episode, that you can look up. That track was mucked up. It was bad. It was it was mud soup. It was icky. It was disgusting. It it just it was bad. And then comes the Preakness, and the track was muddy, but it was foggy as well. And again, so it was bad conditions. So then you go to the Belmont, and I'm like, okay, well, is the track going to be bad? Is there, they say there's going to be rain in the forecast. Ah, what's going to happen? And Justify just broke out early and pretty much pretty much went wire to wire to win the sandwich, or not sandwich, win the uh, triple cu- uh, triple crown first uh, well second time in four years first time since American Pharaoh did it 2015 here's the thing though uh, there have been accusations uh, that one of other uh, one of the other horses owned by Bob Bafford was actually blocking for Justify so that he could hold on to the lead. And here's my resort to that. Maybe there was. Maybe there wasn't. But it's like in football. If you don't want a team to score, stop them. If you don't want a certain horse to win you try to strategize and you try to maneuver your horse so that your horse can win that's simple now I understand that well it was packed field it was you know X amount of horses it was a mile and a half yeah but you can still maneuver around the course I think you can still maneuver around the track. So if you want to stop Justify from winning the Triple Crown, you, you could have done it. You could have gone around whatever horse was supposedly, allegedly blocking you. I think. I could be wrong. But, hey, you know, this 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 had some meaning to it because obviously this is the second triple crown winner in four years. But when the first one was clear back in the late seventies, when I wasn't even born, and now you're saying two thousand and fifteen, wow, finally this happened. It was a shock. It was like, oh my gosh. Now what do I do with this? Because I was just like, wow. I I never thought I'd see that trophy, the Triple Crown trophy, in person. Not in person, but, you know, on television. I never thought I'd see it out in public. 
Now I have. Now what? And the now what is 2018. So, look, let's not get crazy. I'm not saying that we're going to have another Triple Crown winner next year or in the next five years. But, you know, I would dare say in our lifetimes we're probably going to get some more Triple Crown winners. I could be, could be wrong, but... Anyway, so uh, I'm going to take a one last break. I've got um, a bit of sad news to uh, relate, and then we'll close up for the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, sorry I didn't get to the uh, U.S. Open but uh might talk about that next week but um some sad news very very quickly and that is that Dwight Clark has died uh from complications from uh, ALS if uh, you know the name you know of the incredible catch that he made uh lifting the San Francisco 49ers over the Dallas Cowboys to win their first Super Bowl. Uh, well, eventually to win their first Super Bowl. Um, it was just really incredible. The The way that they shot the catch, it looked like Dwight Clark was actually jumping out of the stadium. It was that incredible uh, to, to see that. Um, of course... It was just camera angle and all that. But, um, yeah, it was just really incredible. Uh, of course, like I said, he, he unfortunately passed away because of, of ALS. Um, I know some years back we had the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And that was a great thing because it it really brought awareness to... ALS and to Lou Gehrig and the whole bit. Speaking of Lou Gehrig, um, I don't know if you've seen old footage of him when he was swinging a bat. This guy was jacked, okay? This guy was ripped. I mean, it was insane. This guy was ripped. And unfortunately, then you know he 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 uh, he um, came down with with ALS, and uh, he gave the luckiest man in the world speech, which is still iconic uh, to this day. And and people only take you know just just a little bit of that you know that whole speech. But if you read, you know, in full the speech, it, it's it's pretty moving. Um, so I urge you guys to go and read the entire retirement speech of Lou Gehrig at Yankee Stadium. It, it like I said, it's pretty moving. So uh, God bless you, Dwight Clark. And, uh, so, that is the show for this week. I will be back on Thursday for the Russell Wortham Show Presents 
back to the ring where we will talk about Money in the Bank. We will talk about that insane New Day versus Elite video game challenge at E3 and uh, so, so much more. So, until I see you on Thursday, this is Russell Wortham and as always... Just like the Beatles sang all those many, many years ago. Love is all you need. I will see you guys on Thursday.